0: Please be advised that tonight's episode contains sensitive language as well as subject matter. Greetings! Welcome to Sippin' Tea with D. This is your host, Deirdre Simmons. Thank you for joining us this evening. Childhood sexual abuse or molestation is a painful, frightening, and damaging experience that not only impacts an entire family, but leaves a survivor without help, feeling damaged and psychologically broken. Often the journey to healing can be a daunting process, sometimes only understood by those who have actually lived it. Tonight's guest is an author, a mother, a worshiper, and more importantly, a survivor. Maya Makita felt that it was her God-given life's purpose to help others. So she created a 40-day devotional book that transforms individuals through a 40-day journey, providing both tools and techniques on how to gain hope and to heal so that eventually they can come out and thrive on the other side. So, move in close, grab your tea, and take a listen as we listen to the author of strength for today power to push through you don't want to miss this or right, we have with us this evening a a local author from philadelphia pennsylvania uh she is a worshiper a mother uh but most importantly a survivor please welcome to sippin tea with d maya makeda maya welcome Thank you, thank you so much, Deidre, for having me. It's a privilege and an honor. I appreciate it. Oh no, I'm going to tell you, it's certainly an honor to have you. Um, I'm holding in my hand uh, your book, Strength for Today, and uh, even upon receiving this, um, having you know heard that this that you had written this book, attending your book launch, um, I have been you know, more than excited and ready to uh, introduce this to our listeners. Uh, I have so much respect for what you've done here and what you've put together, and I'm excited to have you here at Sipping Tea with Dee, so welcome. Thank you. Yes, 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 but before we get into uh, the book and all that it entails, um, I must Uh, you know ask you that infamous question that I ask all of my guests. Uh, I'm sipping on a little bit of a lemon zinger tea tonight. So Maya what tea are you drinking this evening?
1: I am drinking lavender lemon tea. So I have a little something in common with you. Oh, I figured I like lavender it. so I can relax, but not be too relaxed. So I have the lemon for my own little zing.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. I like that. I like that. And that lavender, I, make sure you're going to stay awake. Cause that lavender kind of relaxes us a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yes, yes. I love my, love my teas, but Maya, um, you know, as I said, I'm very excited about um, your book, uh, Strength for Today. Uh, And and just to talk a little bit about it, um, it is a 40-day devotional. um, And, you know, I've been, you know, skimming through it and going through it. Um, Of course, you know, I'm a bit uh, all over the place, so I never follow things in order, but I always (laughs) feel like I'm led to what I need to see. So, Um, But it is definitely a 40-day devotional that guides and it provides information to uh, sexual abuse survivors. It's sort of a journey for their healing, correct?
1: Yes, that would be correct. So however you read it, you get what you need, I'm convinced. Mm -hmm. But it is actually set in four parts to kind of take you, if you're starting at the lowest point, and then to try to take you through the, you know, to get you out of the valley and get you on the road to the mountaintop, if not to the mountaintop.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That's an excellent place to start. Well, first of all, I want to ask you, um, why did you decide uh, to write Strength for Today?
1: So Strength for Today was one of those really, I know the voice of the Lord spoke to me. Like I was in service one day and it was like, you need to write a book about your experience. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. okay. And, so you um, yourself are a sexual abuse survivor.
1: Yes, I am a survivor of, sex, of um, childhood sexual abuse. So I'm a survivor. And it was, um, all right. So I should write a book. Okay. And then I just sat with it. Like, well, what am I supposed to write? It's one of those, There are so many people with a story of childhood sexual abuse so telling the story isn't the sole point telling our stories definitely um, can be healing and it definitely connects us those of us who are survivors but um what's the next step so it was just kind of eventually i kind of got the ideas of i would just write different things so i just journal like oh i have a thought about this and then i have a thought about this And then it's like, I'm supposed to be writing a book, what if I actually kind of put them together? And then what, I need a theme and what are the points I wanna convey? And then around that, a lot of the writings, the things that I just journaled about or just had thoughts about just coalesced. And then other things, it was like, I need to develop that more. And then just somewhere in there, I don't even know exactly where, but somewhere in there was like, 40 days. It should be a 40 day journey. And I, you know, Mm -hmm. parallel with the children of Israel coming out of the desert and the biblical story and then making it through the promised land. It was 40 years but um, the idea of just 40 being this time of testing and tribulation. But on the other side, you make it through and it's going to be okay. You have victory.
0: Right. Because 40 is certainly biblical, uh, the number 40. And Uh, you know, just the idea of you said something interesting about you didn't want to just write about uh, your journey as a survivor, because there is a lot of information of people sharing their stories. And as powerful as that is, the idea of, you know, this, this book, Strength for Today, you know, power and and sorry, power to push through is not just necessarily your story, per se as much as it is um, a guide in terms of this is what I'm feeling or this is what you could be feeling today but if this is what you're feeling this is how you can get through it.
1: Right and part of why I wanted to gear it specifically and actually call it out and say it's for survivors of sexual abuse Mm -hmm. I find that there are a lot of books on trauma in general and there are all kinds of trauma out there and I'm not discounting anyone else's trauma. So there are a lot of different traumas and yeah. then certain traumas are more um, acceptable, could we say? Okay. Like if you say you're a domestic abuse survivor as horrid as it might be, people are like, okay and we can help you live and we're gonna help you escape and you're gonna find a new great partner and everything's going like, we're gonna help you sis. But kind of that, so this happened with my cousin, my neighbor, My like the sex is so intimate that to say that then now we have this perversion of sex, like that's very, very taboo. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to give survivors the space to say, this is my trauma and there are certain aspects of this particular trauma that will resonate only with this group. There's a certain, there's a different kind of violation around this kind of trauma. So I wanted to give a different kind of hope and encouragement to for overcoming specifically this kind of trauma.
0: It's interesting because you know, when it comes to uh, sexual abuse or crimes or I'm saying crimes, but anything surrounding sex, you know, you said it's taboo. And it certainly is that we live in such, our society is so open in so many areas. But when it comes to accusations surrounding sexual abuse, sexual crimes, you know, people become very, very judgmental in some aspects. Um, People sort of turn away, Um, they make up justifications. I mean, I too am a sexual abuse survivor and uh, I've always found it interesting uh, even in the media when uh, certain people have been accused of committing sexual crimes, how people, are, they they take the position of, you know, this could not have happened. Why do people wait so long Uh, (laughs) rather than, and and it always, you know, concerns me that people never think about the feelings or um, the journey of the victim. Or in our case, survivors, like no one ever really addresses that. No one ever thinks about that because it's almost as if people don't look at individuals who have gone through through this as being victimized or even being survivors.
1: That is so true. One of my very vivid memories when we have conversations around these things, being a young adult I would have been in my 20s there was some story in the news I cannot remember the news story but I remember a sister at church you know older at the time she seemed older she might have been 60 now and that's like oh girl that's young but um <laughs> but at the time she there was something in the news and she was just like oh that's that was just so terrible I feel so bad for those people and just everything in me was just like but I'm one of those people you know so exactly um, exactly and you don't you don't want it so then things like that will definitely I don't want to identify and say that this happened to me or something similar happened to me you don't want to say that because like you said the questions well why did you wait so long why didn't you tell someone why didn't you say no why didn't you fight why didn't you this why didn't you that and if you don't understand, if you don't have that sympathetic heart, if you're not what I call in in this culture, like an ally, you know, if you're not a supporter, if you're not there standing beside and encouraging Mm -hmm. survivors, Mm -hmm. then you kind of really, you just don't understand how that is hard to talk about. That's hard to disclose. So, um, I would love to change the world. You know, I would love for my work to change the world and the perspectives of people and how they view these heinous acts of sexual abuse and molestation and rape and sexual harassment, all of these things. I would I would love to be able to change the culture. And I like to think that little by little, bit by bit, I will have an impact in doing that. But mm-hmm. my primary focus, my heart. Is for the survivors because I want you to get from surviving to thriving, to living your best abundant life. Yes. despite what happened to you, despite all the people who don't believe you, who will never believe you. There's
0: a community of us who believe you, bro. We believe you, sis. We got you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And the uh, transparency uh, that you have in terms of just discussing that, and even, um, you know, you, you mentioned a few minutes ago, something about church and you know, you identify yourself certainly as a worshiper. um, And, you know, just throughout, uh, throughout the book, you have, you know, um, Bible passages and affirmations. Do you feel like um, your spiritual connection helped to uh, prepare you to write this book?
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I offer this book for Everyone, anyone, no matter what your faith, I think I have that in the preface, preface. you Mm -hmm. could be an atheist, a Muslim, you could be Jewish, whatever, take what you need. So just be like, oh, that's not my book. I'm not really feeling that when you get to the scriptures. Okay, but there's still some truth in there. But for me, I credit my healing, my deliverance to God. And as a Christian, like God, Jesus, all of that, the triune God, that's me. I am completely fine. If someone's like, I'm not here for all of that Mm -hmm. healing still available to you. So, so my thing is just like, what, how do we say, you know, chew out the meats, spit out the bones. If that part doesn't work with you, if it's too much, too much Jesus in there for you, for that part, you still need to take care of yourself, whether you believe in Jesus or not, like some things are just good for you.
0: Exactly. I mean, even, uh, you know, I mean, I like that you said that because I think that in any journey for anyone uh, that is a survivor, there has to be some layer of spirituality, whatever that looks like for them, and just in terms of their healing, uh, just in terms of keeping them going because this particular work, um, you know, focusing on the survivor, focusing on your development and your growth, is probably a lot more uh, difficult and challenging just because there aren't other supports out there that support the victims in the way um, or support them in a way that's sustaining. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? You know, like, you know, you know, like you said, the, you know, the 40 days, it's a, it's a a journey going from the valley, you know, to the mountaintop, but it's through that journey, through that valley, you know, as you go through, as you're, you're, you're guided through that sometimes survivors don't have the support of their loved ones. Sometimes survivors don't have the support of their friends or, you know, um, or uh, in terms of some of the resources that are available, they don't always uh, take survivors to a place where um, they feel that they can freely and completely release. Does that, you know, does that make sense? Like, you know, where they can just completely be, um, they can develop in their healing and they can grow in their healing.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
1: That is so, so true. So a bunch of things um, came up for me while you were speaking with that. It all resonated with me. That community is so important. So one of the things that I'm looking to do with strength for today and like the things that I'm doing in social media is in time to build up a community, a private community, a safe space where those who identify as survivors can come and share and eventually do things like journal or talk and have that safe space. That's what I would like to do. But of course, I need to develop it very carefully because it needs to be the safest of safe spaces. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Um, But what, um, as you mentioned, the Philadelphia area, I'm particularly blessed that my church has a support group for survivors. So Mm -hmm. that's just pretty much unheard of anywhere else. As far as I know, they're the only place that does it. I would love to see them eventually do something like create a program that can be replicated in other communities, other churches, or even other different denominations, different people, even just took the guiding principle of just providing a safe space
0: for survivors
1: to heal. Because unfortunately, a lot of things are perpetrated by people who claim some faith or another right and so they dishonor the faith and then it makes it harder as you said we need that spiritual covering and connection and our healing journey but if i was hurt by the church then it's hard for me to look to god and the church for my healing
0: right right so for individuals that may have had that experience and as you said you you know you do have some uh you have biblical references and things how would they navigate through uh, reading strength for today?
1: I would say come as you are. Mm -hmm. I have a chapter, it might be day 20, where I actually call it disbelieve, but do it anyway. That's how I want you to come. I want you to come just as you are. You can come angry. Yes, I love that. You can come hurt. Yeah. You can come furious. You can come disbelieving. You can come with an attitude, like whatever. I'm gonna just read this because she said it. Like I don't really, but come, just come how you are, because I am convinced that the God of the universe wants you to be healed, and He'll just work on you. Like I think I have an, I have another chapter. Um, I know it's in the first section. Mm-hmm. Um, about being unforgiveness something about dealing with something dealing with unforgiveness and it's just like I know people tell you to forgive
0: facing facing unforgiveness facing unforgiveness yes yes Mm -hmm. it's like okay
1: you don't feel like forgiving don't even worry about it we're gonna worry about that later I'm not gonna beat you over the head with it you supposed to be a good person you supposed to be a Christian no you mad it's okay come on let's keep reading (laughs)
0: <laughs> now, what, what does that say to the survivor uh, in terms of their journey facing unforgiveness why 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 do they need why is it that you felt it was necessary to add this layer
1: um i find okay so christianity is a faith of victory and overcoming and empowerment mhm And sometimes we, as believers, church people can get so caught up on the positivity that we don't want to talk about the layers underneath. Like, so everyone, you know, um, you want to talk about Jesus, the victorious savior, but we don't want to talk about Jesus was on the cross though. Like it hurt before he got to his victory. So there's this part of a lot of times people can be told oh girl you just need to let that go like you still talking oh about god. that you still met wow Dude, was 20 <laughs> years ago like yeah. these are things l- literally that i have heard fellow survivors say right. I, my own personal experience uh the time where it really came up for me that i needed to deal with um like the lord's like you know god like i said so Sometimes he just drop stuff in my ear. It okay. was beginning of January, of two thousand six, and he was like, "Um, you're gonna have you're gonna have to deal with this this year." Really? That's that's my happy new year. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> and um, about July, there was a family gathering, and it's just like,
0: and I'm, you had to I'm, deal with it,
1: I, right? Like, I'm not going to be able to deal with this. We're going to start calling the thing a thing, right? And interestingly, what happened? I had an eye, well-meaning, meant nothing but good from the bottom of her heart. I'm sure she called me and she said, "Okay, well, now that you um, announced that, you need to work on forgiveness and letting go because, after all, aren't you walking to be a
0: deaconess at church?" Wow, wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it, 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 despite the fact that you had experienced this trauma. Um, that you were faced with having to deal with this person one-on-one in a social setting, but it still became your response. You know, like where was the empathy and the sympathy for what you were feeling or how you were feeling, but you were kind of faced with, okay, but this is what you need to do. How did you feel? I mean, how did you really feel about that?
1: Uh Um, I was indignant. <laughs> Truth be told, okay. Wait, okay. look. Since we're here sipping tea, we might as well just spill it all. Yes, out. Like, just spill all the tea. Uh, I was indignant, and um, there actually was. Well, here's the thing: there was some disbelief, like there was because one of the complicated things that ch- uh, childhood survivors usually find that they um, there's this thing called grooming. So the predators groom them. There's this whole No one knows really what's going on. Everything looks fine on the surface. So then when I say something, it's, well, you and -and so-and-so were fine for years. I don't understand what the problem was. Yes. Well, because I was conditioned from the time I was five not to say anything. So like. Absolutely um it's complicated it's levels here so um but people don't understand that they just assume well if you were telling the truth you it seems to me you would have a b c and d but you don't know you don't walk in your shoes you don't understand it's not you're not walking in my shoes you don't understand the psychological mind games that are played Mm -hmm. but um you know so like i said uh Survivor of domestic abuse, oh, we talk about gaslighting and, you know, well, he's playing tricks on her or she's manipulating him, all of that. Right.
0: But when it's us, there's a different level of tolerance there, you know, and and that is what is so interesting because, um, you know, other people get all of this uh, grace and uh, support, but especially those, as you said, because I'm also a childhood, um, sub- a, 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 excuse me, a survivor of childhood abuse, of, of sexual abuse, that it's that thing about, you're still carrying that? You still, you know, like, you know, you, re- you remember that? Oh, you, you should be over that by now. Um, how could that have affected, how could that affect you uh, in terms of where you are today, or what you're doing today. You know, pe- people have a difficult time making those connections and, and having that understanding. And you're kind of still left with, uh, I always say, um, and, and just talking about domestic abuse and, and, and being a sexual abuse survivor, that oftentimes I feel that when we, with our emotional baggage is so heavy, and it's so, um, it's so, it's so because of the weight of it. I would feel sometimes if I, if you got hit or cut that that would heal a lot faster. Mm. Dragging around, you know, that 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 feeling that w- that was inappropriate or that action that was inappropriate that literally changes your entire life. Um, I, I I feel like I could heal from a burn a lot quicker you know, then you could, you know, then dragging around, excuse me, the, the, the level, you know, and the weight of having been abused. And not only that, you know, when you're abused, just like you said, people cover it up. Um, you're groomed sometimes in certain situations, you're groomed to believe certain things, um, to the point where you can almost eliminate the thought that it even occurred, like, you, like depending upon how young you were, uh, for how long uh, the abuse had taken place, you literally could put yourself in a place where you almost believe, well did that really happen? Is that what that was really meant by? I'm mm-hmm. not really sure. I mean, there are so many things that you can go through and you have a section in your book, um, that you say you are blameless.
1: Yes. And
0: I love that for that reason, because in being in the state of forgiveness or having to forgive someone, which, um, I can personally say uh, that was that's an area that I still struggle with um, in, in terms of my uh, abuse and, and, and being a survivor. But to, to be able to own and say you are blameless for someone to say that, because you carry around so much guilt with you, um that you need to hear that or you need to be able to internalize and ingest that statement you are blameless you are not to blame for what happened to you um that's the beginning of of the chapter that's the first sentence and that's almost like you know let's like drop the mic to me (laughs) because (laughs) that's what Every survivor, every victim, anyone that has ever been uh, touched by sexual abuse um, in any form needs to hear. You are blameless. You are not to blame for what happened to you Um, because this is something that M- many of us uh, have have had to deal with and i know for me for many years that was something that i carried around in which i blamed myself for my own situation
1: yes so do you remember years ago you were in the movie goodwill hunting and the whole it's not your fault it's not your fault like that yes, whole, <laughs> yes. whatever um and I remember, I remember that. And I remember just like, this is uncomfortable, like watching this scene. it's <laughs> because mm-hmm. and myself, like, yeah, but it is my fault. You know, there there was that. Mm-hmm. And then doing the mm-hmm. work. And as you said, that spiritual part. Mm-hmm. The thing with blameless, it's um it's it's not my fault, but it's even more. Like it's not my, it's not like it's not my fault. I didn't mean it, it was an accident. Like, no, no, it's it's not my fault. None of this. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm absolutely blameless. And the people who walk this journey with me, like from the start of my healing journey and my group know that for me to say this, this is radical and mind blowing because I was always the, well, I should have said something like I could give you all the grace in the world. If you and I had the same story of the Mm -hmm. same kind of abuse, I would be like, Oh, DD, no, no girl. That was it. He, He did this and did that. And then it would be me like, well my father's a pastor I should have said something I should have known I should have this like I had all kinds of excuses of why I should have said something although Mm -hmm. as I run down my story in my mind like no you were five no you were seven no you were like no it it was not your fault right so um it is one of those things it would be great if someone read that and was like, boom, and the weight is just lifted off. But you might have to keep saying it. You might have to repeat it day after day. But sis, bro, I promise you, it's not your fault. And that's just one of those things that, again, that whole community of us coming together as survivors, working on being thrivers or being thrivers and encouraging those who are in the survival part, Mm -hmm. it's so important because there are not a lot of safe places where we are told that it's not our fault. You look at the allegation and this, that and the other, and it's, well, you know, she could be telling the truth. He might be lying. I'm yeah. here to say, I'm just here to support the survivor. Right. Like, I'm here to support the survivor. I'm not here for the court battle. I'm not here for all of that. Leave that to other people. I don't know about that, but I know if your heart is hurting, there's a bomb in Gilead, like there is healing, you can make it through. And it's not your fault. You don't have to take any of that. We have on one of our facilitators who will say, I don't care because you know, from where from Philly, I don't care if you stood in the middle of Broad Street without a stitch of clothing on. Nobody has the right to touch
0: you exactly exactly (laughs) do you think when you're carrying that blame and you're you're or or, and and you know that blame can also turn into shame but when you're carrying that blame and you're rationalizing all these reasons why for you do you think that that kind of delayed in your healing
1: absolutely and um kind of something you said earlier in the thought like went out in and out of my mind so you brought it uh um brought it back for me the idea of um it's so insidious it's so much so part Mm -hmm. of why i wanted to speak to survivors specifically i believe that we're all called to a life of purpose purpose power peace like those are my three things but
0: it's power i like
1: that (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. So it's so my thing is, when you know your purpose, mm-hmm. you walk in power, and you live in peace. Yeah, but what I was finding for survivors and for myself as a survivor, mm-hmm. I know my purpose. But this stuff that I have behind me is, like, so insidious. And, like, well, what if somebody knows? Like, what if they find out? And it, like, plays into that imposter syndrome. So I'm going to sit up here and say this, that, and the other. And, like, aren't you that little girl who was? So that blaming yourself and that shame and that guilt, all of that works to, I don't know, slow us down, block us, keep us from our divine purpose in life so it's like no we have to face this because at our being there's something about sexual abuse at our beings we're sexual beings yes I know we have all of this stuff going back and forth about gender fluidity and binary and this that and the other but there is gen- there is biology where sex is tied to biology and that assault is a t- an attack on the core of our being however you perceive it, however you identify in your gender, someone came to you because of your biology and your gender, who you were at the core of your being.
0: Absolutely. And that's wrong.
1: That's a huge violation.
0: Absolutely. Yes, and that's exact, That's so true. Because when, you know, it's almost, especially for, for uh, you know, for childhood uh, victims of abuse, you you really have not formulated ideas about who you are as an individual, as a person. Um, There's just things that we're supposed to, um, there's steps, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. uh, which we have to grow and develop. And for someone to uh, interrupt that process and put Mm -hmm. you in a place where you're having to process, uh, feelings and, and behaviors and, uh, putting on the desires of other people onto you, because I'm also, a, you know, I'm a spiritual being, and I certainly believe that energy and, and, and things that are on other people can be put upon you. Uh, and certainly in the innocence of a child who has not really in tune with those things and been developed, um, you know, these, these, of, you know, a, a predator is, is placing all of this upon them, you know, uh, in the midst of, you know, destroying or, or not even allowing uh, whatever it is to naturally develop in a natural way.
1: Yes, that is so powerful that you said that. I, I don't go into that in the book but I am there with you very much on the energies and spirits and it's one of those things I notice in our adult world we talk about soul ties and we talk about like how we connect with people when we have sex with them Mm -hmm. and then you think about but when an adult puts unwanted sexual energy and attention and as well as actions on a child again you said yes we're still stuck yes we're having trouble getting over it like this is this is a huge connection for two adults now we're going to put this connection with a 12 year old and a 50 year old a seven year old and 18 an year old like no this is wrong it's too much for a child mm-hmm. I remember um mm-hmm. Maya Angelou and her I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings when she oh, talked yes. about her rape and she talks about like even not just the physical act but just the act being too much for a child's mind to mm-hmm. comprehend Absolutely. like that whole camel going through the eye of a needle like you're we're not prepared to take on these kind of adult actions attitudes responsibilities in the purest sense as a child you exactly. know what i mean like exactly. there are just some things as a child you're not ready for even if it's good you're not ready for calculus at the age of five.
0: Absolutely. So, you know what I mean?
1: Like, yes. so you're not a bad kid. So now, you know, it's just too much for you. So now when you take the the thing, something like sex is good the way God created, but now you've taken it, it's too much for a child and now you've perverted it. You know what I mean? Like, so Oh, it's, oh it's,
0: definitely. And yeah. then that child uh, carries, carries that burden and carries, you know, that guilt and that shame and that child develops into an adult physically, but mentally still carrying that, you say in day 18, rising above the stigma (laughs) and the affirmation that you're supposed to walk away with, because you had, you add these words of affirmations and you also add uh, words of actions to go along with each day in the book. You say, shame is not my burden.
1: Amen. It and is
0: not. <laughs> to, to take, that's what you need to take away. You know, this shame is not my burden because that's what it becomes when you <laughs> you don't deal with it, you know, with this as, as, as a victim of sexual abuse. If you don't um, face what is going on you literally carry that, and it does become a burden, and you feel like there's a stigma on you, and uh, you know your th- your thought process and your behaviors and all of those things. But you, ne- you know, but to 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 have that removed and to have that taken away, because again, shame is not my burden. I, not I at all. Love that. I love that. Thank you. Because people
1: will try and put it on you. Like you said, you see it even with the things in the media. Well, maybe she shouldn't have been wearing that. Maybe she shouldn't oh, have been God, wearing yeah. this, that, and the other. Okay, let me tell you something. Those are your issues. That's not mine. Um, I'm not here for it. But if we want to talk about adult to adult, maybe I can engage a conversation with you, maybe. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about children and young adults, I'm not here for it. And the thing is, and it's nothing to discuss. There's certain things you can't discuss. I'm one of the people who actually had the opportunity to um, confront my perpetrator. I know some people like wish that they could and this, that, and the other. And wow. what How did that people, feel? It, um, it was one of those things is I tell people, you never know what you're going to get. So sometimes you want to confront them because you're waiting for an apology or you think it's going to be this, that, and the other. Um my perpetrator was basically was just like um well you know you were what do you say you were an inquisitive kid and you were and you were kind of cute really
0: now did you have any expectations prior to that conversation
1: no i was more like curious like you, why did you like what like why would you you know one of those things when you start to like realize like this happened and you're like mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Like, what was wrong with you? Like coming into that, this was really wrong. Because again, the thing is with these secrets and a lot of times talking to a lot of survivors, you just don't know how bad it is. You know, something's kind of wrong because we can't talk about it. We have the secret. I'm not supposed to say anything. Exactly. But you don't know how wrong it is. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, like there's jail time around this. Like, you, right. you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> like, this is not this is not what everyone's trying to brush under the rug and act like it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. No, this this is serious. And it's like, "Oh, well then in that case, you're the older person.
0: You're supposed to know that this is wrong and this is serious." Like, "What? What's up with that? Did you feel um, did you feel that his response or her response was justified or was it enough? It was this moment
1: of, oh, this is just how broken you are. Like, this is how okay. deep it is. Like I didn't pursue it or anything like that. It was okay. one of those, wow, that you could really sit here and tell me that as a child, the reason why you sexually abused me as a child was because who I
0: was as a child.
1: Mm-hmm. all right I'm um, thank you I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole like one of those you know better don't argue with a fool let she should be thought one okay. it was just but it was this moment of like how deep for predators, like how deep their sickness can be. Mm. So I think with society trying to excuse people and say, no, you don't understand, like, no, this is a real problem and a real sickness. And I'm not here to bring up people and talk about cancel culture and this, that, and the other. It is possible that you can do a bad thing and yeah. do a good thing. We've all seen the Godfather. Didn't um, Michael order like hits on his family while sitting at the baby's christening? I mean, you can do a good thing and still do a bad thing. So I think there's also this space of, as we as a society grapple with this, two things can be true at the same time.
0: Okay. Someone
1: could have a horrible sickness, have an evil bent to their personality. They could do some heinous things and still present nicely at work, at church, give the charity, laugh and joke. And seem to be the nicest person while doing something horrible. Both things can be
0: true. Yeah, that can that can all be encompassed into one individual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that has uh, a lot to do with, um, you know, I I too had the opportunity to confront, um, you know, my abuser, and it was just so interesting because. Uh, in my experience, I was I still have a level a level of anger that I have to deal with. That's why you know that 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 piece that you have on on, on you know on for, for unforgiveness and forgiveness is so for forgiveness is so important because it's still an area in which I find uh, that I struggle. But even having confronted um, my accuser, I was very very angry, so I approached in a very angry way, and. I immediately was told, "Though well, I don't even know who you are. Oh. And that, I thought that was pretty, you know, interesting because they knew full well who I was. I mean, um, you know, there was no reason why this person would not know who I am. Um, but um, the, in- aside from that, I just kept pressing, pressing, pressing and expressing how I felt. And in the midst of all of that, um, because of my level of anger, I said, of course, some very unsavory things (laughs) and and (laughs) in the midst of all of that, they called out my name and told me to watch my mouth. And I thought to myself, how disgusting and how uh, unbelievable or ironic it was that you were offended by my unsavory words that I feel did not compare to the unsavory things that you had done to me. But- That's mind blown. Yes, exactly. But you had reached a point where you know, you, you, I get, and, and, and it's so important the things that you said about a person being, um, you know, uh, looked upon a certain way in the, in their community and at work and even amongst other family members and even talking about the, this, this issue, um, you know, you, you mentioned in your book, uh, there's, there's a a section that talks about losing alliances. Um, (laughs) and, you know, people become divided when this issue comes up. You know, um, I, I didn't reveal you know my truth until you know I was an adult. So, uh, and and that was one of the things when I carried it for so long. That was actually one of the things that I was concerned with. You know, not not just not necessarily being believed, but more so in terms of division in terms of dividing uh, my family and things of that nature. Do, did you find is, um, that that was something that you thought about as well?
1: I did. So I am learning to be positive and have more positive outcomes as I've gotten older. Okay. But at times that I was disclosing and starting to work this process, Mm -hmm. I was more fatalistic and so my what happened was my mother would have an annual fourth of July gathering so it was kind of like our equivalent to our family reunion okay and um as you mentioned I'm a mother so I have a daughter who looks like me so she's about like four or five Mm -hmm. and um actually she's four but I'm looking and like she looks more like me and I'm thinking okay you know, this person is going to be there. I just felt like this anxiety of, but now I have to be hyper vigilant. Like, I mean, I like to think I'm a halfway decent mother. You know, like I, it's not like the child wandered out of. Sight. More than decent. <laughs>
0: Thank, Thank you. you.
1: <laughs> but so, I, you know, I'm not going to let the children wander around. You know, out of my sight and not know right. where they are. And I'm at my mother's house, but it's like, and talking to my husband of the time. Um, it was, yeah, I don't, we don't want to feel like, because he knew my story. Okay, we don't want to okay. feel like we are sitting there the whole time. Like we can't enjoy ourselves because now like we're paranoid. Where's our child? Like, will you be anywhere around our child? And so that, that was when I told my mother mm-hmm. and she was like, well, you, and, and so I'm thinking, so I'm like, so I'm just not going to come this year because I don't want to cause any drama. And this is the whole family thing. And we're just not going to come. And she looks at me and she's like, you're my daughter. You're always welcome in my house. So okay. I'm blessed because I know there are people who don't have that kind of support when they tell their stories.
0: Absolutely. My mother,
1: absolutely supportive. But what happened is the 4th of July is imminent. He's not going to be invited. Oh, someone else sees him, mentions to him that he's planning on coming. Now it's this whole, oh, he can't come. He's uninvited. It's the chitting and then the chatting. There are other gatherings and it's like another um, time shows up and now I, I have two cousins who were just like, yeah, no, we're with you. We got you or whatever. Right. And the one was like, um, about that, you're not going to be able to come to my house like that. That's not cool. Um, wow. There were, wow. Um, I had an aunt who passed and there was a family meeting at, you know, at another aunt's house. And it was, oh, he's coming just so you know, so you can leave and not see him. But other than that, it's I'm just not invited where he is around. And then honestly, because, you know, what, what we're asking to do, which is why I say don't ask, just decide and realize you might lose people. You're forcing people to make a choice that they don't want to make. You're asking mothers to renounce son's behavior. And maybe even like, are you going to renounce them? Or are you just going to say, I don't like what he did, but he's still my son. I have, you know, the brother of my perpetrator. Well, you know, because I had a conversation with him and well, you know, you know, he's made certain choices and, you know, he just had to you know, we just went our separate ways. But then interestingly enough, there's a whole different family dynamic where that particular cousin came against me in a completely related matter. And the <laughs> thought is did did this help feed did you um did this help feed you and getting back at me because of your brother? I don't know. You understand what I'm saying? But it's like right. basically I outed your brother, I created this whole family divide by simply saying, this is what happened. And basically I'm the bad person, like I'm the outcast. I'm the one who broke up the family. You you get what I'm saying? So yeah. it's one of those, yeah. you have to be comfortable with it which is why I'm not saying you necessarily need to tell. That's a, like, that's a heavy burden. If you yes, don't have really. a friend circle, if you don't have people who are going to support you and you can't bear being outed by your family, maybe this isn't the time and place, you know, it's not your place in your journey. So my thing is realize that telling sometimes the worst case scenario does happen. Like I didn't have a worst case scenario, but I know people who have had horrible scenarios who have been kicked out, who have been ostracized. Those things happen. So they're not unrealistic fears. Mm -hmm. So then when we get to the people who are like, I don't know why you didn't say anything. Oh, because I didn't want to get kicked out of the family.
0: You know, that's so interesting when people say that. You know, well, why didn't you say anything? Uh, And and even in, uh, you know, very high profile uh, cases that we've seen in the media, you know, people say, oh, you know, well, if that happened 30 years ago, like, why would they wait so long? People have no idea the burden of a survivor. Thank you for joining us here at Sippin' Tea with Dee. Please return next week for part two of Strength For Today with Maya Makita. If you or anyone you know has been impacted by sexual abuse or an immediate danger, please contact your local authorities by dialing 911. Also, for additional resources, you may contact the National Sexual Assault Hotline by dialing 1-800-656-HOPE. Again, that number is 1-800-656-4673. They can provide additional information, as well as a variety of free confidential resources in your local area. Thank you.